0: Man, appreciate that song, haven't heard that one, that was good. Um, Let's turn to Matthew 24 tonight and appreciate the privilege to stand here and open God's word this evening. It's not something I take lightly, so um, appreciate you being here as well just to to worship the Lord together as a church. Um, We had a good morning in church this morning. We had everything. We had some dad jokes from Paul and a baptism. What more could you ask for? Um, no, but it really was a good day in church this morning, and uh, I do want to say I, I appreciate those who. If you didn't know, we had we had a baptism, had one of our young men baptized that was in our school um, recently, and I just appreciate those who came up and and congratulated him and spoke to him and even to his mum. Uh, like I said, she didn't speak any English, but I will say this: that she she saw genuine care for him, and uh, just for the journey that he's been on. uh, And I think that spoke volumes to her. So I appreciate everyone that did take the time just to um, approach them and even for those who have been praying uh, for him and for his family. Um, I think that's that's genuine Christianity in action and uh, that that spoke volumes to her and to their family. So thank you for that. Uh, But please continue to pray for him and just for his journey and uh, for all those that we're continuing to witness to. Uh, Matthew 24. I'll read a few verses here in just a moment, Um, but there's something that I've experienced by working at this church um, for a number of years now that has stretched me a little. Uh, There's a few things that have stretched me a little by working and being in the ministry, Uh, but one of those things is handling a funeral, handling a funeral and uh, being confronted with death, and I know that's something that at any stage we're all going to be confronted with. Um, but for me particularly, the first time that I had to um, facilitate a funeral, it was years ago now, but I have Dave Holloway to thank for it because he threw me under the bus. Um, there was no one else here. Other people were on holidays and I, I guess I was the only one in the office. And I got a phone call from Dave and he's like, uh, yeah, I just told this lady who just lost her adult son that he'd um, be able to do a funeral for her, so that's cool, right? Yeah, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I guess it is now. Um, so that was my first introduction to having to, to think about and prepare and help somebody prepare for a funeral. And that was a daunting task, um, particularly when you've never done it before. I mean, obviously, I've been to funerals and such. Um, but, you know, I guess we're all quite familiar with the process of, of someone meets with that family um, and gets an idea of the life of the person that has passed. And for this particular one uh, that Dave introduced me to, she was an older lady, but her adult son had passed away. Um, And I didn't know him, I didn't know her. Uh, Dave knew them, he had spoken to them many times, uh, but they were complete strangers to me. So in a short period of time, I had to try and get an understanding of what this person's life was like. And I had to find out what did they enjoy, what were their hobbies, what were they about, uh, what they liked, what they didn't like, uh, what their personality was like, what their, their family thought of them, uh, what they even looked like, uh, all those sorts of things, uh, that was what, I guess, was placed in front of me and I had to, I had to work with that. And when anything, anything to do with death, oftentimes it's, it's a sudden thing. It's not often that there's warning that happens beforehand. And looking at Matthew 24 here, uh, it's kind of like the time that Jesus referenced to Noah's flood. And in verses 38 and 39, we'll just read 38 and the first part of 39 here in Matthew 24, it says this, verse 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So he's going to go on and talk about how this is similar to to the Son of Man coming. Uh, But he's referencing here that, you know what, Things happen in an instant. Uh, The Lord's return is going to happen in an instant, but death happens in an instant. And you're not always prepared and you're not always ready for it. Uh, So he goes on from verse 39. If you have a look at the second half of verse 39, he uses this story of the flood to relate what the future rapture will be like. Uh, Verse 39, uh, so, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, just like in the days of Noah. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill; the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. And the rapture is a very real thing, and it might not be death that takes you or me out of this world, but the rapture is actually going to happen, whether you're, you're dead beforehand or not. It's going to happen. It's 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 in God's prophetic plan. Uh, so he's going he's to call the saints out of this earth and meet with him in the clouds. And that's going to happen in an instant, in a moment. And there's not going to be any warning beforehand. Uh, we know that it's happening, but we don't know when it's going to happen. And death is a little bit like that. And so I guess the reason I'm talking about this and talking about death and funerals is that the reality is that whether it's death or the rapture, We're going to leave, we're going to leave suddenly and a lot of people will be gone but a lot of people will also be left on the earth. So if it's it's you passing away, unfortunately, you will be gone but there will still be many people left on earth. If the rapture happens soon or later, it doesn't matter, a lot of people will be gone but a lot of people will be left. And oftentimes our focus in church when it comes to the things of the rapture is making sure of our salvation and other people's salvation. So we'll often talk about, you know, make sure that you're ready, make sure that you're saved so that you're going to be one of the ones that goes. Make sure that, you know, if you do unfortunately pass away soon, that your salvation is secure and that you will be going to heaven when you die. And often that is our focus, and that's a good focus to have. But sometimes I think we need to think about that we're going to be gone and we're going to leave behind things. And what I mean by that is, uh, verse, you don't have to turn here, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 says this, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And everything that we can't carry out is going to be left behind here. We can't carry physical things out with us when we leave this earth, but we also can't carry out our testimony. We can't carry out the words and the things that we've done and said. They're going to be left here for the people who are not taken out of this world to view, to understand, and to interpret. And so tonight I'm talking a little bit about our, our Christian testimony. What are we going to leave behind when we're gone? So my focus tonight is, will you be left behind, but what will you leave behind when you're not on this earth anymore? And what, what usually happens with funeral preparations, at least in my experience, um, is that family will go over and through different things for that, that person that's passed away, what they've left behind, and those things, when put together, will often tell a, a fairly good story of that person's life. Uh, the couple of times that I've been involved in a funeral and I've met with families, we've gone to their house and we've got out the photos, the photo albums, and maybe even looked in their room or different things like that and, you know, put things on a big dinner table kind of thing and just get a, get a good understanding and a good picture of that person's life and ask them questions about, you know, what their life is like, what they enjoy, those sorts of things. The, thi- the three funerals that I've officiated unfortunately, were for people that were not Christians. And that, that, that's hard, but it's also a good opportunity, if you can take it. But the three, three ones I've done were not, not people who were Christians. So when going through their stuff, when looking at their life on a dinner table, and in photos, and in conversations, there was nothing really that pointed to Jesus Christ. And that's sobering, and that's sad. Um, but for us as Christians, we should be thinking about that in the light of, I wonder what it's going to be like when I leave this world. When someone grabs all my stuff and has conversations with the person who's going to be officiating that funeral, I wonder what will be seen of Jesus Christ in all of those things. And that's a question that we should probably ask a lot more often than maybe, that maybe we do and Pastor, Pastor mentioned last week, I think it was, about not looking back. And obviously his context was, you know, not looking back to, to the former things of, of your life before salvation and not taking your eye off what God has for you to do. And so in a different context, I would say it's important that we do look back, that we're making sure our testimony is clean before God and is a help to those who being a good influence on other people. Is my testimony helping other people know more about Jesus Christ? So when all those things are placed out in front of them, they can see a pattern of Jesus Christ in my life. And that's what I think we need to be concerned with and think about now and then. So if you're a Christian here today and you unexpectedly pass away, or if the rapture happens tonight, praise the Lord, that would be amazing, Uh, the question is what would you leave behind? And if we gathered together the things of your life, what would it show? So I'm, I'm not going to, tonight is not really, a, you know, I'm not going to preach at you and I'm not going to really, it's not even really a Bible study, I guess it's just posing a question, what, what is your testimony like and what are you going to leave behind? So I'm literally, this is going to be quite simple, I'm just going to go through a few things for you to think about, for us to consider. So photos, so photos are one of the, the main things that come out at funeral preparation time. And we can see, OK, you know, they used to be an ugly baby, and now they're a good-looking person, right? So we can see and everything in between. They used to have hair, and now they don't. They used to be skinny, now they're fat. Whatever it is, there's all, 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 all variations of things that are going to change over a number of years. But when people look at photos, and not, I, I guess my, my thought in this is don't be concerned with, like, I wonder if people see the change in my physical growth. But I wonder if people can look at photos of you over the years, and maybe even in the last, say, 10 years, and identify that you have changed in your spirituality in a good way. That your character has actually changed. That, oh yeah, I remember that Christmas that we had, you know, five, six years ago with family, and they were a little bit, you know, not great then. But they've actually changed since then. And I see this photo from like a year ago. And they're a little bit more Christ-like, or they're a little bit more forgiving, or they're a little bit more understanding. Does that make sense? That when, I don't know, if you do this, maybe I'm just weird, but when I look at photos, it makes me think about that time, that place, what happened, and what that person is like. So I wonder when people look at photos of you over the the years, do they even see and recognise that your Christianity has grown? That you have actually become more Christ-like, that you have... to be more like him over the years. Because that would be a good testimony for people to see, oh, not only have they grown physically, they've grown spiritually. And I think that's something that we need to consider. That's one of the reasons we should be looking back. Like, have I become more like Christ or have I stayed the same or have I become less like Christ? And you know what? Photos actually can help you see that because it brings back memories. And so people see that in photos. So photos are one thing. Can they identify good character changes? And this might sound like a really obvious one, but if they walked into your room after you're gone and just looking at what you have in your room and how you've laid things out and and what's there and what's not there, this might sound really obvious for a Sunday night crowd, but would they find a Bible? Because you can come to church and you can, you know, even be a Christian and not read your Bible. But would they find a Bible? And if they would find a Bible, will they find a used Bible? Will they find one that has been opened, that doesn't just have dust on the top of it? It doesn't take much for dust to, to gather, at least in our room. <laughs> I don't know about yours, but it doesn't take much. So I have to continually wipe it off so it looks like I've been reading it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in all honesty, will they find a Bible? Will it be seen that you've used your Bible? And you could argue, oh, you know, I use my Bible on my phone. Okay, can I encourage you? Use your Bible on your phone, but also use a real Bible. There is a difference, and I'm not getting into that tonight, but there is a difference. Especially for young people, get a Bible. Make sure that there's a Bible found in your room when you're gone, that people can see, oh, they actually read the Word of God. They're actually having investment in the Word of God into their life. So would they find a Bible and would they find it that it's a used Bible? Because that speaks volumes. That shows that you knew you needed something more than what you could just get from this world. That says something to people. When you're gone, the fact that you had a Bible and you used it means you knew you needed God's help. So that can speak to someone who's maybe wondering, why did this happen? Why did they get taken away? That can speak to them. So a Bible, what about... Will they find a prayer list? When you're gone, is there a prayer list of yours to be found somewhere? It may not be in your room. For me, it's on my iPad. It's a note that I share between my devices. My iPad, my phone, my laptop. But even if it's not a physical prayer list, will there be a list somewhere where it shows that you're praying for people, that you actually cared more about other people in your life? when you're gone? Do people Can people identify that? And I guess really a better question to ask is, will there be people that are being prayed for less once you're not here anymore? That's a question that is sobering to ask because it, for me it shows there's actually more that I can do in prayer. And, you know, you can't lay that out on a table, right? But you and I know... And God knows our influence in prayer, the time we spend in prayer, how important that is, how much we value it. And so when you're gone, will people feel that there's someone not praying for them as much? Now, that, sounds, that might sound weird. I don't know about you, but I can, I can sense, is that the right word, when people are praying for me? Like I, can, I, I, I know when people are praying for me because if I'm not praying for me sometimes and God just opens doors for me and helps me with things, I know other people are praying for me and then they'll tell me, I'm praying for you. So you can actually feel it, sense it. So I wonder if that would be less when you're out of this world. Hopefully it would be, the answer would be yes. Yes. And anyway, hopefully someone else would then pick up that burden and pray for other people. But do you understand what I'm saying? That if you're gone, there should be less prayer happening for people because that means you were praying a lot for other people. And like I said, this is, this is simple, but it's probably just things we need to reflect on a little bit. Uh, if you turn to Acts 4 with me, turn to Acts 4. i have a look at a few verses here. You know, I had a completely different message yesterday. And it just didn't want to come together. And I don't know if I just picked this or if God put it on my heart, but this is what we have to know. But it was going to be a completely different message. So maybe you'll hear that sometime next year. <laughs> uh, turn to Acts i oh, you already in Acts 4. Okay, what about... We'll read a few verses in just a second. What about your... Messages, your words, your social posts. What about those things? If they were laid out. Now you say, oh, no one does that. When someone passes away, they don't get out their phone and scroll through their messages. Well, some people do. So a, a mother will probably look through their child's phone, you know, for memory's sake and stuff like that. I wonder if those messages that are left on your phone if they reflect Christ-like character? Because you've left that behind. I wonder if your your posts on social media, and look, I know social media is not necessarily a a spiritual platform, but it can be used to glorify God. It can be used to reflect Christ in in certain things that you publish and all that sort of stuff. But I wonder if those things actually speak of Christ in your life when someone's looking through them. Or would it be a shame or embarrassment if someone did grab your device and they could go through everything. Now, this is, not just a, this is not just a thought for young people. This is for all of us. This is for me, this is for you. Like, we, can, we can say things differently on our text messages or on social media than we do out in face-to-face conversation with people. So I wonder if all those things were laid out, what you've left behind, would it actually show Christ likeness? Would it match up to the Bible that is in your room that you've been reading? I wonder if those things are out there for people to see and it wouldn't be a shame for them to see it. Uh, even something as simple as your search history on your laptop, on YouTube, on whatever. Uh, you flick through your search history. What what things have you valued? What have you spent your time on? Now, I'm not saying that you know necessarily it's it's bad or sinful things that might be searched up, but... Your value, the things that you value will be seen for those who are left behind. Oh, he spent a lot of time on games. (laughs) They spent a lot of time on just online shopping. Like, you can see through your search history what things, you know, when you start typing something up on someone else's computer, you can see the things that they've they've, they've searched before. Now, in and of itself, you know, that doesn't necessarily tell anyone whether you're a Christian or not. But I guess my thought is, does it line up with what a Christian ought to be valuing in their time, in their life, in their day-to-day practice, in their words, all those sorts of things? Uh, if someone grabs your Spotify account or your Apple Music account or whatever it is, something like that, and they see your playlist, like, does that reflect Christ-likeness? Like, I don't like answering some of these questions myself because it's challenging because, you know, there's there's... It's not, it's not easy to live the Christian life 100% of the time and please God with every single decision that you make. But it's, it's times like this where we just need to go, okay, I need to be a little bit real and go, what am I leaving behind and what, what am I portraying to people? Am I showing Christ likeness in all areas of my life? Not just in my photos, not just in the fact I have a Bible, not just in my prayer list, but in the things that I use every single day. Acts 4, look at this, verse 11 to 13. Uh, Peter and John, they're preaching publicly here about Jesus and other people don't like it. But in verse 11 it says this, this is, the, this is what Peter's saying. This is the stone talking about Jesus which was set at nought of you builders which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So they looked at Peter and John and heard what they said, the things coming out of their mouth, their way of life, their manner of living, the things that they valued and put time into, and they went, this looks like Jesus Christ. They are reflecting Jesus Christ right now. I can see that they have spent time with Jesus Christ by the things that they say, by the things that they value, by the boldness that they have about things, so the conversations they have. So when you go to the hairdresser, do you just like shy away from saying anything about church <coughs> or are you bold about it? Because these guys were bold about it. They said, no, we're going to just tell it how it is. And they weren't arrogant or rude. But people had seen that they had been with Jesus, had identified that they had been with Jesus. And I thought about this, you know, and I'm sure you can see it really clearly from, up, from down there. But when I take my watch off, you know, I always think of this. When I take my watch off and I charge it, I see my... I'm, I've got white skin, right? Like, I'm, I'm fully white. But my watch tan is super white, okay? And that, that's, an, that's an identification that I have been wearing this a lot. I've been wearing it probably daily. I've been wearing it inside and outside. And not only is it white, but it's got a little round circle there from the underneath of this watch. It's got an impression on it. That's what our conversations should be like. They should be impressed by Jesus Christ and by biblical things, so much so that when people see that, whether it's in written form or they remember a conversation, it's like, hey, that's like Jesus Christ. There should be an impression made on those things that we're putting out there for everyone else to see when we're not here anymore. I hope that makes sense. So the imprint of these things shows influence. And if you turn to Ephesians 5, we'll have a look at a few more verses here. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not going to attempt to put my watch back on while I preach, so... Ephesians 5. I'll read a few verses here in a second. But another another thing to consider, and, you know, this is the the question that I have asked those few times that I've been involved in a funeral. You ask the family, because, you know, you have to prepare the order of service and and print booklets and stuff like that. And you've got to ask that question, how many people are you expecting to show up at the funeral? And I know that's a very difficult question to answer. But... It's a question that is, it's an answer that is based on, obviously you've got to consider, you know, how many people can actually get to the funeral, uh, whether they're out of state or out of the country or anything like that, whatever time of day or day you pick or anything like that. Those things will influence the answer to that question. But another thing that will influence the answer to that question is, what were their relationships like with other people? Will those other people that they spent time with and worked with and went to church with and were friends with, did they have a good relationship? Would they would they want to come? And that that sounds like a weird thing to to think, but that's what we think. How many people would come to the funeral? And it's often going to be based on our relationship with them, isn't it? Like if I hear about someone passing, I'm going to be thinking, well, obviously I'm sad, but did I have a, a close relationship with them? And if I if I didn't, uh, you know, if I knew them very well but I didn't have a good relationship with them, that's, that's going to determine maybe whether I go or not. I'm just saying, that's just honesty. That's, that's just reality. So when we're left, we're, when we're gone, what are our relationships that are left behind going to be like? The people that we work with, the people that we fellowship with, When you ask them, hey, what was this guy like or what was this lady like, what was this girl like, boy like, whatever, did they leave a good impression on people? Did they rub people the wrong way? Did they have a good attitude, a bad attitude? Those are the things that people remember when you're gone. So I wonder what your relationships with people are like because this is the part of looking back that I'm talking about because we can be going forward and doing our own thing and, you know, you might be even just doing what's good and what's right. But sometimes if you're not looking back at how you've treated some people or how those relationships are going, you can actually be leaving a bit of taste in some people's mouth and not even realise it. So you have to do look back at these things a little bit and go, OK, maybe I need to change some things or approach things differently or maybe I just need to go and apologise to someone or whatever it is. But when you're gone, what do your relationships say about you? Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 10. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. And here's the thing, walk as children of light. So you're a Christian, that's great. You have the light of Christ, but it actually says, walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable Unto the Lord, because you know what? Sometimes in our relationships, well, that's acceptable to me. I think I handled that all right. But is it acceptable unto the Lord? And will the people that have stayed on this earth after you're gone will they think that your relationship and your handling of things was was it acceptable, or was it you being arrogant? Was it you just not even caring? Like you know, whatever, whatever. You can you can mention a whole bunch of different things. And and here's here's a thought. Being a Christian doesn't make you Christ-like. It just means you found Christ. And I think sometimes when it comes to our lives, we can rest on the fact that, yep, I'm a Christian, a.k.a. or therefore I am Christ-like. But those two things don't necessarily equate. You can be a Christian and then just disregard anything that the Bible says or just take a little bit of it or try some of it doesn't necessarily make you Christ-like. Following Christ and doing things that Christ says makes you Christ-like. So in your relationships, your communication, if you're following Christ in those things, then your relationships are going to be showing Christ-likeness. But if you're just doing your own thing, well, yeah, you're a Christian, but maybe your testimony has, you know, tainted some things, tainted some relationships a little bit. Maybe you've even been a stumbling block of sorts and not even realise it because you haven't kind of looked back a little bit. So in some senses, it's just taking stock of our, our walk with the Lord, of our Christianity. I've got a few more left. Uh, what about your church? This church. Unless you're visiting. Thank you for visiting. But this church, uh, you know, this might sound like a funny one, but, and I know we don't have seats we don't have pews with our names written on them. But there is an unwritten rule that that's my seat right there. Okay. <laughs> but in all honesty, would someone notice if you weren't here anymore in church? And you go, oh yeah, of course. Like it's church. Like as if you wouldn't notice if someone wasn't here anymore. No, but but really. Because you know, in a church our size, there's people that come various times through the week. Some come just one service, some come two, some come three, some are here through the week, whatever, whatever, right? But would someone actually notice if you weren't here? And I know it's not your seat, but it's your seat. You can have it. Unless there's a visitor, give it to them first. But would someone actually notice if you weren't sitting in your seat? Now, what I'm really asking is, are you actually being faithful to church? Are you being faithful to your church attendance? Because when you're gone, people should notice they're not sitting there anymore. They're not in church anymore. And yes, I know, being in church doesn't make you a Christian, it doesn't necessarily make you Christ-like, but it is where God intended for Christians to go and to get growth and help and fellowship and use their gifts, all those sorts of things. But would someone notice that you're not sitting in your own seat? And further to that, would there be an area of service, and we say ministry, would there be an area of service or ministry that you're not there anymore to fulfil your shift, to fulfil your role? Would there be a gap where you should have been, but now that you're gone out of this world, there's no one there to, to do it? You should be inconveniencing people in church by not being here. You should be an inconvenience by not being here because... You're part of a ministry and now you're not there anymore. You should be causing a problem in ministry, a problem of I need to find someone else to fill that role. Everyone, everyone, everyone in this church should be making that problem if they're taken out of this world. Because church wasn't designed for us to just come and sit. We're supposed to serve. We're supposed to give back to the Lord. We're supposed to use our gifts. That's what it was for. So we're supposed to cause that problem for people by not being in this earth anymore. Will there be a disciple that needs a new mentor because you're gone? I'm not discipling anyone. Maybe that's where you should start. Because there's a lot of people in our church that could be discipling people, that know enough of this to help a new Christian or to help someone someone else, maybe not a new Christian, but just someone who wants to learn some stuff. So if you're gone, does that cause a problem with someone going, oh, now my mentor is gone? That should be the case because, you know what, the church is supposed to produce disciples. That's what we're supposed to produce. We're supposed to produce disciples. So, that should be a problem that we're leaving for people when we're gone. So, ultimately, the big question is would it be easy for the funeral minister, whoever that is, to talk about you and reference your Christ likeness in your life? Would it be easy for them to turn to different scriptures and go, you know what, they fulfilled this, and we can learn from their life because they valued these things? They did this. They handled these things this way. And it would be easy for them to pick a passage, an encouraging verse, because your life reflected that. Because what you left behind was Christ's likeness. That's really the question. Would it be easy for them to do that? And I know, I understand. I, I, I did those funerals and they weren't for a Christian So it would be great to do one for a Christian, but it would be even greater to be able to then go, you know what, they are a Christian, I know they're going to heaven, and we can all learn from their life. Look, this is what their life was like. And you can actually reference things from the Bible and say, that was a really good example. And that makes people think. And that makes people take a step back and go, oh, wow, that was actually real for them. Maybe I should think about that, consider that. That's what it should be like. That's what we should be leaving behind. We should be leaving behind likeness In our photos, showing different strengths of character through the years. In the things that we leave around, showing that we relied upon God. In the fact that we left some gaps because we were serving, involved, using the gifts that God gave us. In the relationships that we have, the conversations, the posts, all those sorts of things, should be showing Christlikeness in all of these things. And hey, I'm... I'm saying this to myself okay so don't think I'm standing here going I've got all this together this is for all of us this is for every Christian a couple of verses and then we're done Matthew 5 if you might turn there with me Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 to 16 we'll just look there verse 14 to 16 says this, Ye are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking, talking to Christians. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now I understand that these verses... most definitely have a context of your influence while you're alive. So shining the light of Jesus Christ while you're alive, while you're on this earth. You should be reflecting Christ so people can see it, they can see what you do, and then then God can be glorified through all that. That That is the context. But I would say that there is also an application of your light as a Christian should continue to shine even after you're gone. You know, There should be a a residue. There should be an afterglow. So once you're gone, it still kind of has that stain, if you would, of Christ likeness, of the things around you. So when people hear your name and think about you, they do go, oh, wow, he was like, he has an imprint of Christ likeness. She has an imprint of Christ likeness in her life. That's really what we should be desiring. That's what we should be praying for. That's what we should be aware of. That's what we should be looking forward to, but also looking back to make sure that we've just got things in order so that when we are gone, and and this is the thing, I praise the Lord that I am saved and I know I'm going to heaven, so when that rapture happens or if I do die before then, I know I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. But I also want to be able to look back from the clouds and say, yeah, I, I'm happy with what I left behind. I'm happy that I left behind likeness. And it wasn't perfect, but I want to be able to look back and be pleased with what I have left behind for other people to see in my life, to think about when they look at a photo of me, whatever it is. The people that I've influenced along the way. And, you know, you've all influenced people along the way. You want to be able to look back and go, I, I did my best for Christ and I helped people to see Christ. That's really should should be our prayer as Christians. That's my prayer. So what will you leave behind? What will the light say that you leave behind? Will it be a light of Christianity? Will it be a light of Jesus Christ? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this evening. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, for your example that you've set for us. Uh, That, Lord, you haven't left us... um, destitute you haven't left us without hope lord god you haven't left us without an example but father we can look at your life and we can see how to be christ-like father i thank you that we get to influence people while we're on this earth that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation lord i thank you for the opportunities that we get in people's lives every single day i pray that you would help each of us myself included to consider these things lord god Uh, Lord, if there's things that that we need to get right, if there's things we need to work on or address or, or Lord, just to continue to do, I pray that you would impress that upon us through your Holy Spirit. Help us to be aware of that, Lord God, and help us, Lord, to walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Lord, help us to reflect you in the things we say, the things we do, and that, Father, when we're not here anymore, that people would continue to look to you because of our testimony, Lord God. Father, I thank you for each one that's here. Thank you that you are building and growing your church. Lord, I do pray that you would guide us and direct us for the rest of this day, but Lord, also for the week ahead. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.